What is up all of my super honkies out there? My name is Dennis Sanders and you are listening to the Super Honky Podcast. Brought to you in part by nobody. Just myself. No sponsors yet, but how could I? This is only the third episode. It's going to take a long time for me to look into getting any sponsors. Maybe one day. That is the goal after all. Um, But yeah, hope you guys are having a beautiful day, whatever day it is that you listen to this podcast or this particular episode. Uh, It is currently 7.50 a.m. in the morning on October 9th, 2023, and I'm in a pretty decent mood. Uh, Yesterday, last night, the San Francisco 49ers absolutely bodied, absolutely bodied, the Dallas Cowboys, 42 to 10. Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, this kid is looking superb. This kid has quickly gone from being Mr. Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft, to suddenly becoming one of the most elite QBs the league has seen. Like, I'm not even joking right now. This kid is 10 and 0. 10 and 0, undefeated in the regular season since taking over last year for the 49ers in replace of injured Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, injured Trey Lance. So we're 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 just we're dominating teams. It's crazy. The Cowboys looked to be a good team. They were three and one coming in. We were four and zero, and we just absolutely bodied that team. I feel bad for Cowboys fans right now. Every single year, you guys are telling the whole world this is the year we're going to go to the Super Bowl. Dak Prescott is the truth, and then you come into our home, and we body you guys forty-two to ten. Not only did we win forty-two to ten. We put up 42 points before the fourth quarter even started, and Kyle Shanahan, the coach of the 49ers, pulled out all of our starters to start the fourth quarter. Really, if we left our starters in, we could have ran it up 56, possibly 60 points, because the Niners could not miss yesterday. Brock Purdy was absolutely dropping dimes, slicing and dicing the entire yeah, the entire defense of the Cowboys, and it was a beautiful sight to see for us 49er fans. We better get to the Super Bowl this year. If we don't deal with any kind of crazy major injuries, knock on wood, then, boy, I can see us getting to the Super Bowl. Last year, we almost made it. Brock Purdy, unfortunately, tore his uh, UCL, I believe it is. It's a tendon or something in his elbow. On the first series of the NFC title game, tore that shit. We had no quarterbacks to take over for him. It was so hard to watch as a Niners fan. But here we are, his elbows healed. We're off to the races. We're we're now 5-0. And the 49ers are just absolutely rolling. Purdy threw four touchdowns, three of which went to George Kittle. Uh, Who'd the other one go to? I can't remember. He threw three to George Kittle, one to... Uh, uh, oh, ju- uh, Juice, Juicek, or whatever the fuck, Juicek, ju- I don't even know how to say that dude's name properly, I, most people just call him Juice, the Juice Man, and uh, yeah, then we had Mason punch one in, they just ran up the score on these guys, and it has me in a pretty good mood today, however, however, I'm still dealing with a ton of stress right now, because this morning, I took my old lady to work, 
and she only works about maybe three, four miles from here. So round trip, we're talking six, seven miles. <sighs> and sadly, on the way home, I started smelling coolant. And I noticed that, you know, because it's really dark when I take her to work. It's like four in the morning. And uh, I noticed a bunch of steam coming out the, you know, the cracks of the hood from the engine bay. And I didn't think too much of it. I'm like, okay, a little, little coolant leak, something's going on. I was only about a mile from the house, so I'm like, fuck it, let's just make it home. We'll pop the hood, see what's going on when we get home. And uh, long story short, I get home, I pop the hood, and I notice that my coolant reservoir has no fucking coolant inside of it. None. None. Looking at it from the outside of the coolant uh, reservoir, literally none. I unscrew the cap, put a flashlight down in there, and I realize that there's like maybe 2% of its fucking coolant left in the damn reservoir. Oh, here we go again. I own an older Audi S4. It's a 2006 Audi S4 Avant. Um, I know you're probably thinking, well, why the fuck did you get an old Audi S4? I mean, it's a, it's, for the most part, it's been a solid car. And I want to tell you something. When I bought the car about five years ago, Roughly, when I bought the car, it only had 48,000 miles on it, which is obviously very low, especially for the year being an 06. I got a great deal on it. At least I felt like it was a great deal at the time. I got it for 14 grand, put 7,000 down, and have been making payments on the 7 grand. Uh, but this car, man, this car will not cut me any slack. Uh... Three years ago, kind of had a similar problem, but it wasn't leaking as crazy as it is today. Three years ago, I had a little minor coolant leak where I had to top it off once every couple weeks or so, but nothing like this. I went from having full coolant in the reservoir to just none within a six, seven mile trip, which is just crazy to me. And unfortunately, I'm not the guy to be able to fix that type of shit. I'm sadly a fucking moron when it comes to working on vehicles. I don't know jack shit hardly. Now I could replace basic stuff like a spark plug or two or you know I might be able to do something simple like replace a radiator maybe all the while cussing and taking all day to do it. But I'm not very good when it comes to working on cars sadly. When I was a young kid coming up I had friends of mine that were you know when we were teenagers they were outside working on their cars just like almost creating problems just to see if they could fix them. Not me though, nope. While they were outside in 95 degree heat in Sacramento, California, I would be in the air-conditioned house playing video games. Wasting my fucking time. Wasting my time. I could have been learning how to work on cars, but no, Dennis, why would you do that? Why would you do that when you can play this game called Ultima Online on the computer and completely waste your life away? And now I'm sitting here 40 years old, and every time I take this car or any car to a mechanic, they look at me like a mark. How can we get, how can we take advantage of this guy? How can we turn a potential $100, $200 fix into a $2,000 problem? Well, I'll tell you how. I don't know shit. And as soon as I walk in the door and open my mouth at any mechanic, they already know this motherfucker's dumb. We about to take his cash and he ain't going to be able to do a goddamn thing about it. 
Ah, fucking rinse, repeat. Telling you right now, just about five months ago, roughly, I had a major oil leak. Car was like leaking from a few different places, and it was bad. I'm talking like I had to put a quarter oil on this bitch like every few days. It was a bad oil leak. Um, finally brought it in, got the issue fixed, and it cost me like three thousand some odd dollars. That's it. Threw it on the credit card, whatever. Took the loss. I'm like, whatever. So long as it's running good, we're good. And here we are, just five months later, and the car's throwing me more fucking haymakers to my throat. It's like I can't seem to go even fucking half a year without having to go to a goddamn mechanic and getting fisted. Because again, I don't know shit. And when you don't know shit, these fucking felon, fraudulent ass car mechanics... They just love taking you to the cleaners. I've seen it happen to other people. It's happened to me more than once. It's at the point where I'm so paranoid going into a mechanic. I honestly believe the mechanic I've been t uh, taking my car to out here, I honestly believe it's at the point where they're like sabotaging shit every time I come in just to make sure I come back and keep paying their goddamn bills. It really seems that way. Because every time I go there... You always have to come back within a few fucking months. If it's not one thing, it's another. So here I sit. I put about 40 grand on the car, 40, 50 grand. And by that, I mean 40,000 miles, 50,000 miles. Since we bought the car, I've put about 50,000 miles roughly on the car. And I think the longest I've gone without some kind of problem popping up, even if it's just a minor little problem that only costs a couple hundred dollars, but... I don't think I've gone even a full fucking year without something happening to that goddamn car. <sighs> I should have never bought an old ass Audi. And I was tricked just because it had low mileage. It had low mileage, so I'm like, damn. I know these luxury cars, you don't want to buy them when they're used, you know, if you don't have the money, if you're not a mechanic, this kind of shit to fix all their problems. But with the mileage being so low, I'm like, dude, you're going to be fine. You're going to be good. Look how badass this car is. And it is. It's a badass car, honestly. I got it straight piped. We're talking 350 horses. This thing purrs. 4.2 liter V8. I have it straight piped again. This thing fucking sounds absolutely incredible. I don't care if you got a Mustang, a Corvette, a Camaro, a fucking Dodge Hellcat. I promise you my Audi sounds better than all of your fucking cars. Now, can the C6 Corvette beat me in a race? Sure. But at the same time, my car outweighs yours by 2,000 pounds and it's a fucking station wagon, okay? You want to race me in my fucking four ton or whatever? It's not four tons, but it weighs a lot. You want to race me in your little Corvette and I'm in my Audi? Let's do it in the snow. Let's do it on some icy roads and let's see how you handle because I'm telling you, this car handles in the snow like there is no snow on the ground. It handles like it's just a perfectly dry day. I could sit there at a stoplight, snow falling, snow covering the whole fucking road. And if I gun it, that car will literally take off almost as if the pavement is completely dry. It's incredible. So there are things that I love about this car. But at the same time, I'm getting sick and tired of this shit. I still haven't paid off my credit card from the last shit I fixed on this car. Or paid to fix, rather. Obviously, I didn't fix it. <sighs> but these assholes took me to the cleaner for like three grand for some oil leaks. And I don't know. But 
I got that voice in my head that's like, bro, you know, you could have probably just got this fixed for fucking $200 if you knew how to do the work yourself. And I am beating myself up because when I was a teenager, again, I would just sit there and game and game and game and game. <sighs> I could have learned so much about cars just from my friends when they were working on them every day. What's up, James Henry? What's up, Mike Watson? What's up, fucking AJ? Well, AJ's dead, sadly. It's my buddy that unfortunately commits suicide back in 2017. But yeah, they were always outside working on their cars. Not me, though. I'm fucking on the video games. Again and again and again and again and again and again. Here I am, 40, and I'm still playing video games all the time like a goddamn 8-year-old. <sighs> so yeah, the car's stressing me out. That's neat. Not only that, as I talked about in previous episodes, I'm currently unemployed. Like they say, when it rains, it pours. Except for me, when it pours, it's fucking golf ball sized hail that slaps me in the face and knocks me unconscious. That's what I'm dealing with. On the last episode, I was talking about how I got up from my desk, rolled the holy shit out of my ankle. You can go listen to that in episode two if you would like. Practically thought I broke my foot. The good news is, I didn't break my foot. At least I don't think I did, and if I did, it's healing fucking ridiculously fast. But the pain has subsided for the most part. I'm dealing with maybe a little bit of pain now. It's a little puffy in my ankle area, but not nearly as bad as it was a few days ago even. But yeah, one problem after another. Lose my job on, what was it, August 2nd? Uh, fucking rolling ankles out here in other dimensions. Fucking cars breaking down. I am getting shit on by life right now. Absolutely shit on. I'm just getting reamed. I don't get it. God, if you're out there, brother, cut me some slack, man. I'm doing my best. At least throw me a job offer, some kind of opportunity. Let me meet someone that can maybe take me under their wing and help me out. Help a brother out. Help me, please. <sighs> the fucking super honky out here just going through so much goddamn trouble. Jeez Louise, haven't been getting any sleep either lately, I don't know why. Normally I sleep perfectly fine, normally I sleep 8 hours a night, no problem. But every now and then I have these bouts of insomnia. I don't know what it's from, what's causing it, but here I go again with the insomnia bullshit. I'm now on like day number 5, 6, where I'm only averaging about 3 hours of sleep a night. And I don't know why, I just wake up. And next thing I know, my brain's like, you're not going back to sleep, motherfucker. So if you thought you were, think again. And I just roll around in bed. You know, eventually my lady gets pissed off because she's feeling me shaking the bed as I'm rolling around and shit. And she has to be at work in the morning. So finally I get to the point after rolling around so many times, praying I could fall back asleep. Finally I'm just like, fuck it. Fuck. Let's just fucking get up. Let's just get up. So I've been tired as shit lately. I already am someone that lacks energy for the most part. And then when I have no sleep, it just makes the whole thing even worse. But yeah, kind of good. 49ers won. That is my team, if you don't already know. I am 40 years old. I've been repping the 49ers since I was like four or five. I still remember being a little kid, and it was Christmas time. And my Uncle Danny, he's a diehard Raiders fan. And my grandma, she wasn't really a fan of any football team, but she pretended like she was a 49ers fan. 
which come to think about it, it's kind of weird. I don't understand why. But I remember on Christmas Eve, when I was like five years old, four years old maybe, I remember them both holding up different shirts. My Uncle Danny was holding a, uh, at the time, I don't know if they were the Oakland Raiders, LA Raiders, fucking, I don't know. They fucking switch every few years. But they were one or the other, Los Angeles Raiders. You'd have to look it up. This was back in like 1988, 80, 87 maybe. I believe it was the Los Angeles Raiders at the time. But anyways, I remember them both holding up a t-shirt. My Uncle Danny was holding up a Raiders shirt, and my grandma was holding up a 49ers shirt. And they were both shaking them, like, pick one, pick one, you can only pick one. And I remember walking up and grabbing the 49ers shirt. I was so close to taking that Raiders shirt, but there was just something about that bold red and that gold that just had me being like, yep, that's it. And ever since then, I've been a diehard 49er fan. I've been rocking with them for so many years. And the last time we won a Super Bowl was in 1994. 1994, I was 11 years old. Here I am, 40. We've been to the Super Bowl two times in roughly the last decade, and sadly, we've lost both of those Super Bowls in the last decade. Ugh. One was with Colin Kaepernick, one was with Jimmy Garoppolo. One was against the Ravens, one was against the Kansas City Chiefs. And here I am, still hoping we can get back to the Super Bowl. We almost had it last year, but then again, Brock Purdy hurt himself in the NFC title game. We were fucked at that point. So, of course, we ended up losing the NFC title game, blah, blah, blah. You know how the story goes. Let me get over this fucking football subject. I know I'm probably boring some of you guys that don't give a rat's ass about football. <sighs> but, yeah, grew up in Sacramento, California. Spent the first 33 years of my life out there. Um, I was raised by my grandparents. I decided in this episode I'm going to get a little bit more into my personal life and how I was raised and where I was raised and... All the type of shit that I went through. The goods and the bad of growing up. And when I was young, dude, I couldn't stay out of trouble to save my life. I don't know what it was. I was hyper as fuck. I couldn't pay attention in school. I was too busy being, like, I was legit the class clown. I know that sounds cliche, but I legit was the biggest class clown ever growing up. I got in so much trouble growing up. And it was all just petty shit, you know, not listening in class, talking, fucking throwing shit in the classroom. I remember being in like fourth or fifth grade and the teacher's handing out tests to all the students and he put the test on my desk and I just took my hand and put it on the paper and slid it off the desk as hard as I could, made all the kids start laughing. That's who I was as a kid. I didn't give a shit about school. I just, it's, I can't sit still. If anyone around me starts talking, whatever I'm trying to focus on just gets left behind in the fucking dust. I can't focus. By the time I was... Shit, I don't know. I don't know if my grandmother ever got me diagnosed with ADHD, but I have every last symptom of ADHD. I've talked about this in the last couple episodes. Hyperactive as fuck. Can't sit still. I'm 40 years old, I still can barely sit still for an hour in order to do these podcasts. It's incredibly difficult. As I'm talking about it right now, literally all I want to do is get up and walk out of this room. I want to stop the podcast, go smoke my 48th cigarette of the day. <laughs> and I've never really been medicated for it. I've tried Adderall before, and when I did, I was like the most calm I've ever been. I wasn't socially awkward. My buddy gave me an Adderall one time, and he's like, here, bro, this should calm you down. And 
unlike what it does to other people, Adderall for Adderall for anyone that doesn't have ADHD is like crack. They're like lit or like methamphetamines. They're literally just like strung out. They stay up all night. They're nonstop moving. For me, I'm like that sober. So Adderall for me calms me down. It takes away that voice in my head that's like, you fucking suck, motherfucker. It takes away the urge to just like piss on so many bridges and just piss on so many people rather and burn all these bridges. It is so hard dealing with ADHD, you guys. Some of you out there may know what I'm talking about, but I've never really been medicated. I've only tried Adderall a couple times. I've never kept jobs long enough to go get a doctor that I could have for, you know, that could hear me out and actually get me prescribed for Adderall. But boy, oh boy, would I be so much better off in life. My life would be so much more different if I was on Adderall. And I know that sucks because Adderall is technically like synthetic meth more or less, but I'm telling you right now, it does not do, it, it doesn't have the same effect on me. I'm basically like, if you meet me in person, I am so fidgety, I can't sit still, I'm flooded with anxiety all day. Even on my best days, I'm just dealing with so much anxiety. As I sit here talking, I got this little squishy foam thing that's supposed to help release anxiety and I'm just squeezing it over and over and over again. Just, yeah, it's so hard. But I grew up with my grandparents, grew up in Sacramento, California, was raised in a neighborhood called Westgate in an area of North Natomas. This is like right in the heart of Sacramento. Um, and just always had it hard. Because I was always getting in trouble in school, my grandmother didn't know what to do with me. She was a lightweight, not even a lightweight, my grandma was a full-blown narcissistic son of a gun. I'll just say that, that's my nicest way of putting it. She was a narcissistic son of a gun. No matter what I did wrong, no matter how petty it was, no matter how major it was, she would ground me for the longest amount of time. There were times that I would get grounded and have no fucking clue when I'm going to get off restriction. None. I could get a bad grade in a class on a report card and be grounded for literally two years. I remember being in like junior high and high school and that's when I really started fucking up my grades. For the first six, uh, sorry, for the first six, uh, six grades, six, what the fuck are you talking about, Dennis? For the, for, for, throughout elementary school, I was basically fine. I was okay in school in elementary school when everything was really easy. But as soon as junior high came around, fuck, dude, I completely just lost the, the ability to care about school. And that's when my life started getting so much more difficult. Instead of finding other methods to maybe figure out where all this was coming from, my grandma was just like, well, you're grounded. You're grounded, Dennis. No friends coming over, no video games, no nothing. You're going to stay in your room. And I think <sighs> I was literally grounded like 90% of my life. And it did me more harm than it did any good. I think my grandma thought it was the right thing to do. She didn't know what else to do. She kind of ran out of options. She used to beat the shit out of me. But eventually, by the time I was like 12, 13, 14, she kind of gave up on whooping my ass. I got It got to the point where I was like taller than her, looking down on her, like, why the fuck are you slapping me in the face? To where, you know, she didn't want to do that anymore. Couldn't do that really anymore. There's Shit, she was probably worried that I was going to attack her eventually. And honestly, I thought about it many, many, many fucking times, especially as I started to get older. So she would resort to just grounding me all the time. 
And again, she would ground me for fucking ridiculous amounts of time. I would miss out on Christmas, birthdays, every fucking holiday you can think of that kids look forward to. I remember countless Halloweens like, please, 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 can I please just be off restriction just for Halloween, please? Nope, you're not going anywhere. All my friends going out trick-or-treating, doing all kinds of reckless shit, and I'm just at home. I think my grandma finally got to the point where she realized she didn't want me getting in trouble, so she's just like, well, if he's at the house, I won't have to worry about that. Because, again, I was, I was literally grounded probably at least 75% of my childhood. It was so rare for me to go even fucking two weeks to a month without getting in trouble, catching some flack on some dumb shit, and next thing I know, I'm fucking grounded forever again. And it, and it made me socially awkward. Instead of being out interacting with other kids, instead of being out and getting to know other people and, and picking up on people's signs and developing a, a personality, I just learned how to fucking tolerate prison, more or less. I mean, that's what it really is. Prison is kind of, I mean, being grounded, being on restriction, it's kind of like the equivalent of being in prison. You have all your fucking shit taken away. You're confined to a little tiny fucking room. You don't get to go do shit. You don't get to see anybody. You don't get to celebrate shit. Honestly, I'm convinced that people in prison had more fucking privileges than I did as a goddamn kid in junior high whenever I was grounded. It was dog shit. My grandma was a fucking maniac. I'll give you some examples. If I forgot to dump the fucking grass clippings after mowing our front and back lawn. If I forgot to dump it, there was times where my grandma would fucking take the bag with the grass clippings, bring it into my room, and dump the grass clippings all over my fucking bed. Literally all over my bed, in between the cracks of the walls, around my bed, all over my room. And I would just come home from school one day and be like, Open my door and all I smell is fucking fresh mowed lawn and dog shit. Because they had multiple small dogs when I was growing up. Dogs that I never asked for. I didn't give a fuck about any of these dogs. And I was always responsible for picking up the dog shit. And sometimes I'd get lazy. I wouldn't want to pick up the dog shit. I'm like, what the fuck's the point of picking up the dog shit? I already have to fucking mow the lawn anyways once a week. Why don't I just mow the damn dog shit up? Seemed like a good idea. Until this fucking crazy woman decided to dump this shit all over my room. And now I got dog shit on my bed. Dog shit all on the side of the bed. Fucking grass clippings all over. Old ass stinky fucking moldy lawn all over. And it's like I get it. I should have dumped the clippings. But Jesus Christ. Do you have to be that psychopathic? You can't make me write sentences again for the millionth time? God damn. I literally have the handwriting of a woman. Just because my grandma would make me write fucking 5,000 sentences. I can't tell you how, how many hours I spent sitting in my room fucking writing, I will learn to behave accordingly and, and fucking do my chores and fucking blah, blah, fucking blah. That, that lady was having me write sentences all the time to where now I could probably get a career as a calligraphist. Calligraphist? Is that even a fucking word, Dennis? You uneducated shithole. You super honky, have an ass motherfucker. A calligrapher, you mean? Calligraphy. Calligrapher. I think it's calligrapher. I could probably have been a calligrapher just because of how many... I don't even know if that's a word. But anyways, you know what I mean? Like people that write really nice that, that have perfect handwriting.
I could have had a career in this shit just based on how many sentences I've wrote or I've had to write throughout the years. My handwriting is literally fantastically good, and it's just because of all the sentences I've had to write throughout my fucking days of growing up. Growing up for me was so difficult. I didn't have my mother really in my life. My mother was manic depressive, bipolar, fucking D all the above. She only had me when she was like 17 or like, again, I said it in the last episode. I think she was 16 pregnant with me, 17 when she actually had me. But my mom was a fucking maniac too. My grandma would always be like, you know, I'd, I'd be sad for not seeing from or hearing or seeing or hearing from my mom and fucking months and months and months, my grandma would be like, your mother's sick right now, Dennis. That's all I could say, your mother's sick right now. And as a child, when you hear this shit, you're thinking, oh, does she got the flu? Oh, is she got a headache or something? Like, what the fuck do you mean, sick? And as I get older, as I got older, rather, I realized that she was actually in and out of, like, different mental hospitals and shit. My mother was, like, in psychiatric wards and all this kind of shit. So instead of being able to talk to her, it's like, oh, now I gotta go another eight months and not talk to my mom. And I love my mom. I was close with her when she was around, but there was a lot of times that she just couldn't be in my life. So I had to deal with my psychopathic grandmother's bullshit. My grandpa was pretty chill. My grandpa Dennis that I was named after, he's not my biological grandfather, but he was pretty chill for the most part. He he was lazy as fuck though. I think that's I think he's who I get my laziness from. My grandma wasn't really lazy. She was just a fucking psychopath. But my my grandfather he was lightweight lazy as fuck. I mean, he would he worked. Yeah, he kept a job. Yeah, he had no problem keeping his job. He worked at Arco Arena where the Sacramento Kings play. So did my grandmother. And uh shit, he worked there for like 20 fucking 5 years or something crazy. I don't remember how long it was, but he was working. But aside from work, like home life stuff, one of the most laziest men you could meet. Wouldn't lift a finger to do dishes. Wouldn't lift a finger to vacuum. He was just old school in that way. He was raised during a time where it's like, Bitch, get in there and do the fucking chores. I already fucking did my fucking shift at work today. That's how he was. He, he, he believed that the women and the kids should do all the cleaning. You know what I mean? So he wouldn't lift a goddamn finger. This guy would go work his eight-hour shift, come home, kick his feet up, and not do a goddamn thing for the rest of the day. It didn't seem like he had any hobbies. He didn't go out hunting. He didn't go to basketball games. He didn't go to movie theaters. He didn't go to fucking D all the above. He just literally came home, sat on his ass. Oftentimes he'd fall asleep within an hour or two of being home, sleep fucking 14 hours, and then go right back to work and do the same shit. Rinse, repeat every day for the rest of my life. But for the most part, he left me alone, so I was cool with him. He didn't come in my room yelling at me about my room being dirty. He didn't give a fuck about none of that. If my room was dirty, if my grades were fucking up, my grandfather, or, you know, he wasn't my, like, again, he wasn't my biological grandfather, but he did not give a fuck about what I was doing. I could be out setting fires to fields, fucking stealing shit from stores. He didn't give a jack shit. It was my grandmother that wore the pants in that relationship. She had my grandfather in check. Like, had checkmate, bitch, had him by the nuts. This motherfucker probably didn't even feel like he could have left her even if he wanted to. Shit, this woman's so crazy, she probably would have murdered my fucking grandfather if he tried to leave her. I remember them arguing. I remember being a child, fucking nine, ten years old, just waking up to hearing dishes being broken. Fucking wham, 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 wham. And I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? 
sneak out of my room, walk down the hallway, and I just kind of peek my head around the corner, and I see my grandmother just fucking losing her mind, taking one bowl after the next and just slamming them into the goddamn trash can. Wham! Sometimes slamming them against the goddamn cabinets. I remember asking one time, like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And she's like, go back to your room, go to bed. You got school tomorrow. I'm like, bitch, how the fuck am I supposed to sleep when you're out here breaking dishes with your loud ass? Her excuse was always, these are my dishes. I could do what I want with them. I pay the bills. I could fucking do all this. Like, bitch, that's not what that, you crazy ass motherfucker. Every parent pays the bills. But last I checked, none of my friend's parents are fucking psychopathic son of a bitch is fucking clapping dishes in the garbage can fucking once every year or more. This lady was crazy, bro. Like, absolutely fucking crazy. And I still got love for her. That's just crazy. I still got love for her because she raised me. There were some Christmases that were really good. If I wasn't grounded, usually Christmas was pretty nice. But I would say 80, 90% of my childhood living with her was fucking hell. Fucking hell. I suffered from mental abuse. I suffered from physical abuse. It, it was rough. I had a neighbor up the road that was fucking molesting me from the time I was, shit, what, like four or five years old all the way up until I was 10 before I finally realized that the shit he was doing was like wrong. You know what I mean? This guy had me so brainwashed, so Michael Jackson fucking brainwashed that I thought the shit he was doing to me was like out of love. Like I almost thought this shit was normal. I thought that everybody went through this shit. I thought letting some old man fucking touch my butt when I'm sleeping was fucking normal, sadly. I never, to break it down further regarding the molestation thing, I never had to suck his dick. Sorry to put that so bluntly. I never had to do crazy shit like that. But he was like a creep. I, here, here, hear me out. He had a daughter. She was my best friend. We lived on the same street. And on my street, the court that I lived on and in my neighborhood, there wasn't many kids that were my age that were boys. The boys that lived in the neighborhood were like four, five, six, even older than I was. So it was hard for me to relate to them. Being a 10-year-old and my other fucking guy friends in the area are like 15, 16. So oftentimes they would bully me. I was a little kid, so if I fucking, if we were playing football and I didn't throw the football right or I fucking made a bad pass, they would shit on me, shit on me, cuss me out, I'd get beat up, you know what I mean, they were just so hard on me, I was like the, I was like the little brother, uh, as far as playing with the other male kids that lived in my area, and because of that, I took a very kind liking into my friend who, for her privacy, I won't even say what her name is, but, uh, I met her when I was four years old. We had just moved into the area, and she was a year younger than me. She was three, I was four when I met her. And uh, looked just like me, blonde hair, blue eyes. We looked like brothers and sisters, honestly. But we got into bowling leagues together. Her dad would take us to, to fucking Disneyland, Great America, the movies. He would do all the shit for me that my parents would never do for me. My parents wouldn't give me a fucking ride anywhere. If I wanted to go to a friend's house, you either needed to walk, you needed to ride your bike, or you need to get someone else to give you a ride. If you want to get into a bowling league, well, you better start mowing some lawns and figure out how you're going to pay for that. Oh, you need to get to bowling? Well, you're going to have to figure that out on your own. 
Oh, you want to be on the basketball team in school? Well, you can't do that because we're not taking you to your fucking practices. For some reason, my grandparents refused to just give me a fucking halfway normal life. I thought it was normal that parents wouldn't fucking take their kids places. So that when I started hanging out with this girl and her dad was so kind, take me to movies, we'd go do all this shit. I fucking fell in love with the situation. It was like the family I never had. I, the only time I had any kind of normalcy in my life was hanging out with her and her family. And sadly, I allowed this dude to do all kinds of creepy shit with me, mostly in the middle of the night. I was, I, this is what I'm getting at. Because we were such close friends, I would go spend the night at her house often, quite a bit. I would be up there every day of the week, but spend the night up there on most weekends. I'd go up there, we'd watch movies, we'd play house, fucking, we were just the bestest, best of friends. And I don't know when it first happened, I think I was like five or six when I finally kind of felt weirded out about what happened. I remember it very vividly. I kind of woke up in the middle of the night, I was cold, and I look over and this fucking dude is like in the room I was sleeping, right next to me, fucking his shorts were pulled down. And I'm like, what the fuck is this motherfucker doing? I thought it was weird, but at the same time, I didn't want to speak up. I didn't, for whatever reason, I was just so, I was so numb to it that I didn't speak out on any of this until I was like 18 years old. There was a time when I was like 15 that I, that I kinda told one of my friends where I actually did. I told one of my older guy friends about it. At the time I was 15, it would have made him like 19. And I remember hinting to them that this dude had been molesting me and he was just like so taken back by it. And then right when he started getting kind of serious with me, like, are you fucking serious? I kind of like joked around and was like, no, man, I'm messing around. But in all actuality, I was serious, but I just didn't know how to tell anybody. I was always the badass problematic child. And because of that, no one ever believed me when it came to jack shit. Yeah, you know I mean? I felt like no one would believe me. This guy was a, a staple in the community. He was the most perfectly clean individual. If you went over his house, his house was so clean, you would think he's either fucking kids or he's a goddamn serial killer or some shit. You know what I mean? The type of guy whose house had to be perfectly fucking clean at all times. <clears throat> and it took me a long time to finally speak up on it. I was embarrassed. Not only, is, not only did I believe that my grandparents and nobody else had believed me because, again, this guy was a staple in the community. He was uh, higher up in his church. He was all into going to church every fucking Sunday. Go figure. Um, but not only did I think no one would believe me, I felt like incredibly embarrassed that I was too naive to realize that what he was doing was completely fucking wrong. Not only wrong that he can get arrested for this shit, I didn't even know that you can get in trouble really for for fucking touching little kids until I was like 16, 17. That's when I finally started hearing other stories from other people and realizing, you know, the magnitude of the crime that this motherfucker had been getting away with for so many years. <sighs> Damn, shit gives me anxiety even talking about it. And uh, long story short, when I was about 15 years old, maybe 14... My best friend, the girl, which is his daughter, still, I don't want to say her name, but they moved to a different town. 
They moved up to a place called Cameron Park. It's about 45 minutes away from Sacramento, California. And uh, when she moved out, I lost my best friend. I felt that way. But lo and behold, her father was willing to come pick me up. He'd come pick me up, drive 45 minutes from Cameron Park down to where I lived, turned around and drove 45 minutes back to their house, and I would still go out there and spend the night. And I still remember the day I finally put an end to this shit. I was, I want to say about 11, maybe 12 years old. Wait, if I was 12 years okay, then okay. They must have moved out. I think it was sixth grade, actually. So I had just, let's back up a little bit. I just said that they moved to Cameron Park when I was about four, 14, 15. That's wrong. They moved to Cameron Park when I just got done with sixth grade. That's 100% accurate, which would have put me at about 10 years old, roughly, 11 years old. So at the end of sixth grade, she was in fifth grade. They moved to Cameron Park. That's 45 minutes away again. And, uh... He would still drive down, come get me. I would still go spend the night there on weekends. I couldn't spend the night as often. I couldn't go hang out as often because now instead of being just a few houses up the street from where I lived, they were 45 minutes away. But this guy would come pick me up. I'd go out there and spend the night. And I remember about a year after she moved there, I finally put an end to his bullshit. And the way I did it was... Fuck. I remember laying down in an extra room they had. This was the room I used whenever I would go spend the night. We were at the age where her parents no longer wanted me to sleep with her in the same room because they thought, oh, maybe I might touch her or some shit. We might, you know, kids are kids. They get curious. They do shit. So they would have me sleep in a separate room by the time I was like 10, 11 going out there to visit. Um, and I remember falling asleep and it was in the middle of the night, I wake up. Don't remember why I wake up, but I woke up and I felt hands down my pants, right? And I fucking look over and her fucking dad is crouched down on the floor right next to the bed. And it's so hard to talk about, bro. And he's just fucking sitting there. And I remember asking him, what are you doing in here? Like, it was one of the first times that I kind of caught him in the act where I actually had attitude about it. Because that's when I started realizing how wrong the shit he, would, he was doing was. But I was too manipulated by him. I was too close with his daughter to really try to speak up on it. You know, I didn't want to lose my best friend. She was literally the only friend I had, lightweight at the time. And I remember fucking confronting him and being like what the fuck are you doing i don't even think i said fuck but I'm, i just said with attitude like what are you doing and he's like oh, oh uh, uh, i brought this blanket for you i thought you were maybe going to be cold i'm just checking on you and he picks this blanket up that he has on the floor right next to where he's crouching and he puts it around me and i'm just like okay i knew that wasn't true but i kind of played it off i was like okay uh thank you and I don't think he realized that I caught him with his hands down my pants. He probably thought that I wasn't fully awake yet, you know what I mean? And he's just pulling anything he can to try to make an excuse as to why he's in my room at fucking 2, 3 in the morning when the whole household, including his fucking wife, was asleep, right? So, that wasn't what got him to stop. It was about maybe a month had gone by. I come back out there to spend the night again and it got to the point where I was so fucking tired of this shit happening 
that rather than putting a real stop to it and just saying enough is enough and telling my parents or telling somebody or just stop going over to their fucking house, I put a stop to it by, or I tried to put a stop to it by, it got to the point where when I was sleeping over there, I would wear, I would purposely bring swimming shorts. I would literally wear swimming shorts because I knew it was the only type of shit I could wear to bed where I could tie it as tight as I possibly could in knots. I remember climbing into bed, tying my fucking swim shorts as tight as I possibly could. So that way, if he ever tried to fuck with me in the middle of the night, he would surely wake me up because in order to get your hands down my pants, you're going to have to either cut these bitches off or you're definitely going to wake me up. I caught him again. Finally, this is when I put an end to this shit. I go over there. I'm sleeping. Or not sleeping. Before going to bed, I shut the bedroom door. And when I shut the bedroom door, they had this... I still remember it like yesterday. They had this like weighted cat. It was like a fake cat doll thing, right? And it was supposed to be a door weight. It was... It was like this cloth-made cat that was filled up with like beans or like little rocks or whatever the fuck it was. And it had a long tail on it. The tail also was filled with beans or rocks. It was weighted, right? It was like a stuffed animal, but the, it, that weighed a lot. And it was, it was something that was to be put in front of a door in order to hold a door open, right? <clears throat> I remember taking this stuffed cat. And when I shut the door, I put the stuffed cat, I wedged it in front of the door. And when I wedged it in front of the door, I decided I'm not going to fucking sleep in this bed tonight. What I'm going to do is I'm going to fall asleep on the floor right in front of the fucking door. So if this motherfucker tries to come in here for any fucking reason throughout the night, he's going to open the door, it's going to hit me in the head, or it's going to hit my pillow, and it's going to cause me to fucking wake up. Lo and behold, guess what happens? I'm laying there, I'm sleeping, sound asleep, fucking my swim shorts tied as tight as they could possibly be. Bop, I get hit in the head. I wake up to him saying, whoa, whoa, what are you down here sleeping on the floor for? I was terrified. I made up an excuse. I was like, oh, my back was hurting. I, uh... I, I didn't want to sleep on the bed, and I knew he didn't believe me because next to the actual bed, to the left side of the bed, there was tons of carpet room, right? And the door was on, the door was like quite a bit away from the fucking bed, right? So he's probably thinking, well, if your back is hurting, why would you not just lay down on the floor right next to the bed with all the fucking room I had? I'm sure in his mind, he's thinking, He's blocking the door, and I think he put two and two together, and he finally realized that if he didn't put a stop to that shit right away, it was going to get out of control, and he was going to be fully caught up, and he got scared of that, and because of that, he never fucking touched me ever again. That was how I put an end to this shit. At the time, I was like 11, maybe 12 years old at the oldest, and it wasn't until six years later that I finally had the balls to mention this to my mom. My mom is my grandma. I call her mom because, again, she raised me. I called my mom growing up. My real mom growing up, I called her mommy. But my fucking grandma, who raised me, I called her mom. And uh, I remember telling her. And she just... It was almost like she thought that something might be going on because she got pissed off. And she's like... 
she she was shocked, but she was still kind of letting me know that she thought something was going on, that she shouldn't have been sending me over to his house, all this shit. It's like, thanks, Grandma. You know, you could have been giving me rides places. We could have been going to movies. I know we were kind of poor, but not really. They made good money. They went to Boomtown all the fucking time, this gambling place. They used to go gamble. They used to go out to restaurants all the fucking time. They'd leave me at the fucking house and go out to some bomb-ass buffets and then come home and a lot of times bring me nothing. I grew up eating fucking bologna sandwiches every fucking day, starving, just literally literally being raised off PBJs and fucking bologna sandwiches. The only time I had a real fucking meal with any kind of protein or any kind of proper nutrients is when I went to my friend's house, the girl whose father fucking molested me. The only time I ate a proper meal practically was going to their house. <clears throat> but I remember telling them, and I told my grandfather, Dennis, that I was named after, and I remember him very vividly telling me, I knew there was something going on with that motherfucker. He said it just like that. He's like, Dennis, I knew there was something going on with him. And all I could think of is like, cool, but you did absolutely nothing to stop it. If you were so sure that something weird was going on, why the fuck didn't you step up and say shit? And I think it's just because he's from the OG generation, you know, being raised by someone that was like in his 50s already. He was born in 1945. And I know child molestation on children back in the day, it was very common. It, put it this way, it wasn't uncommon to have that weird, touchy uncle in the family. You know what I mean? Like older generations, they just looked at it like, oh, Uncle fucking Tom is a weirdo. Be careful around him. He can get touchy-feely. But it wasn't like they were condemning fucking pedophilia or molestation back then as much as it's widely, you know, looked at as how bad it is today. So like back growing up in the 40s, 50s, 60s, molesting kids was like, it was like something that, it was like almost every other family had some weird drunk uncle that just did shit. And instead of calling them out for what they were, pedophiles, fucking child molesters, they just treated it like, Oh, he's fucking weird. He can get touchy sometimes. You know Uncle Barry. Uncle Barry gets drunk and he likes to rub kids' backs and he'll buy him candy. It was like, in other words, I kind of get why my uncle, my uh, grandfather didn't really put an end to it because he grew up in different times where that shit was more normal. So for all I know, he probably got molested too and just didn't really think of it as that big of a deal. <clears throat> and damn, I remember... I remember when I finally broke the news to his daughter. I told my first person, which was my girlfriend that I confided in, I was 19 years old and I was dating this chick that was 24. Her name was Janine. And I remember confiding in her enough. She was like my one of my first loves, so to speak. We lived together and whatnot. But I remember telling her about what happened. And she's like, you need to speak up to this more. You need to tell your family about this. You need to speak up to the girl who is a friend of mine. For now, we'll just call her V. V is in Victoria, but that's not her actual name, right? We're just using an example, but for now, let's just call her Victoria. <clears throat> She's like, you need to speak up. You need to tell Victoria because perhaps Victoria's kids are getting fucking molested. At the time, Victoria had a child, a small child who was also a boy. So I finally decided to speak up to Victoria about this. Again, Victoria's not her name. It's just a fucking example. I don't want to drop her actual name on here. I don't think that would be right to do. Um, but I finally told her, I finally got the balls to tell her when I was about 22, maybe 24 was when I finally spoke up on it to her. 
And I remember reaching out to her and talking to her on the phone. And I told her, I was like, did you know that throughout the years of us growing up, your father fucking touched me on like a fairly regular basis? And she was just in disbelief. She didn't believe me. But to my surprise, she wasn't mad at me for bringing this up. It's not like she was telling me you're a fucking liar, you're a fucking asshole, bullshit, my dad would never do that. She actually heard me out. And she actually like said that she could see that happening. She was even saying, do you think I was ever molested by him? Almost like, almost like she felt like since I was being molested all those years, perhaps maybe she was too and she just didn't remember it. And I told her like, no, I don't, I don't think he's into girls. I think your dad specifically fucks with little boys. I think that's what your dad is into. <sighs> and because of telling her, our relationship fell apart. I mean, she was nice about it. She heard me out and whatnot. But despite me telling her to please not bring this up to your father, please don't tell your mother about this. Keep this a secret, Victoria. Do not tell anybody. I need this to be between you and I. I don't want this to blow into some huge fucking awkward thing, especially after all these years of not dealing with it. I mean, 10, 12 years had passed from being molested by this guy. And I had a normal relationship with her and their family after the fact. I'm telling you right now, aside from the molestation shit, this guy was one of the most loving, caring individuals ever. He did every fucking thing for me that my grandparents refused to do. Honestly, I'm telling you right now, if this guy didn't molest me all those times, I would have no problem sitting here telling you right now that he was the greatest fucking male role model figure in my life of all the fucking men that were around in my family. He didn't drink, he didn't do drugs, none of that. This dude was a fucking square bear, super square bear, a nerd. He taught me how to use computers. Hell, I know how to play the piano since a child because of this guy. He had a piano at his house. I was winning talent shows when I was in elementary school, playing songs like Moonlight Sonata by Beethoven, Fur Elise by Beethoven, fucking Chariots of Fire. Literally was winning talent shows by the time I was in fifth and sixth grade getting standing ovations. Despite being a reckless, badass kid that was always in trouble, I vividly remember being in the sixth grade. I entered the talent show. I learned how to play Chariots of Fire. And I played that song in front of everybody at the talent show. My grandma still has the VHS tape to prove it. There was like 600 people at the school, mostly all parents and teachers and staff and whatnot. I played Chariots of Fire, and I had so many adults in that building crying like fucking babies because a lot of them knew me as a child. They knew I was always in trouble. They knew I was fucking reckless. They knew I had it bad. And to see a child that went through all the fucking chaotic torture and the crazy shit that I went through, to see them playing something beautiful and sitting still at a piano was just heartbreaking for these parents. I got a standing fucking ovation. I remember vividly my friend Robert Hennam, his parents, when we were still friends years ago, I remember him kind of making fun of me. He's like, bro, you had my mom in fucking tears. He's like, I've never done anything to put my mom through these kinds of tears. Bro, you had her so proud of you that day. And I would have never known how to play the piano. I would have never known how to bowl. I would have never known how to properly carry on a conversation with someone if it wasn't for this girl's father, Victoria's father. And this is what makes me so fucking torn. This is why it's so hard for me to trust people because the person I trusted the most in my life 
fucking molested me for fucking years. And I felt like I couldn't do a goddamn thing about any of it. This is also why I'm not into religion. So Father, if you're listening to me, I'll tell you about how I finally, I'll tell you guys rather, how I finally found out who my dad was and I finally got made touch with him. I didn't know my father for the first 24 years of my life. I didn't even know the dude's name until I was like 18 years of age. I met him at about 24. Our relationship's been a little rough because again, I got trust problems. Our relationship has been rough because again, I'm very socially awkward. But I finally reached out to him, met him when I was 24, and he's surprisingly a really good guy. We'll go into that in another episode as far as, as far as how I went about reaching out to him the first time and whatnot and how I found his phone number and how all that went. But long story short, over the last 15 years of kind of knowing my father, my real father, I'm realizing this guy is like greatly into religion. His Facebook is flooded with Jesus this, Jesus that, God this, fucking Bible verses, all this shit. I'm here to tell you, Dad, if for any reason you hear this podcast, that shit weirds me out. I'm sorry, it weirds me out. Whenever anyone is hyper-religious like that, it fucking weirds me out. And the reason being, this one guy that I looked up to as a father figure, this one guy that had my back no matter what the fuck happened in my life, no matter how mean my grandmother was to me, no matter all the abuse, no matter all the fucking suffering I went through as a child, this guy was a Christian. He was a leader in the community. And he still fucking did what he did to me. And again, despite all of that, I could still say that if it wasn't for him molesting me, he's quite literally the best fucking male role model, the best person I could have ever met in my entire life. And because of that, I'm so fucking torn. In a way, I wish he was an asshole. Because if he was an asshole to me, I maybe would have let the molestation shit slide one or two times and been like, fuck this motherfucker. I wouldn't even went to her house anymore. But he did everything for me. He put food on my plate. He fucking... Bowling, movies, Disneyland, fuck... All the above. Paid for all of it. It's crazy. Sorry I had to walk away there for a little bit. As much as I've gone over this with, you know girlfriends in the past and people I've been close with over the years it's it's so difficult for me to sit there and get all this out um as much as it feels good it's therapeutic I need it I've never had therapy for any of this throughout my life I've never had counseling for any of this I just I just fucking deal with it and I know I'm really putting myself on blast I'm really sharing the most private intimate details about shit that's happened to me in my life but I feel like the reason for it is because I need to get it off my chest. I've never properly dealt with these demons. And I need people to understand why I am the way I am. People always have this feeling towards me like, Why are you such an asshole? Why are you so this? Why are you lazy? Why are you stressing out all the time? Why does it seem like you can never let loose and just have some fun? And it's like, Jesus Christ, I've been to fucking hell and back throughout my life. That, I mean, I didn't even get into the part, the fact that the racism I dealt with. Growing up, growing up as a child with my grandparents, 
my grandparents were kind of racist. Not so much my grandfather. I never really heard it too much from him. But my grandmother, there were some things she said that I don't even really want to repeat. Like she, you know, she'd sit here and come in my room. I was once I started developing more of a personality, she would ground me for months at a time, is is what I said earlier. And going off that, during the time I was grounded, I started really discovering hip hop. I started really falling in love with rap music. I felt like even though everyone else in my household, all my uncles and aunts that were older than me that were obviously raised in the same house but had already moved out, they were already old and old enough to have moved out by then, rather. Even though they were all listening to hard rock and heavy metal and all this type of shit, I couldn't relate to that kind of music. I related to more, you know, I related to the street type shit. I related to suffering. I related to anxiety, pain, just dealing with bullshit. And to me, rap music was a lot more relatable for me. So because of that, and this is why I ended up getting into rapping myself years and years ago. And eventually, I'm going to share some music with you guys. I'm starting to think that at the end of each episode, maybe I should add one of my songs in. I've recorded fucking over 300 songs over the years, and shit, I got albums worth of really good music. I just never got out there. But anyways, during these times when my grandma was grounding me for months at a time, I really heavily got into rap music. It got to the point where there was a store... Um, a couple miles from our house called Fry's Electronics. It used to be called Incredible Universe, but they got bought out and changed their name to uh, Fry's Electronics. You may have heard of this store before. But I used to ride my bike up to this store, and I would go inside and I would steal fucking hundreds of dollars of rap albums. I didn't have money, I didn't get an allowance, no one ever bought me shit other than, again, my homegirl's fucking father. He would buy me stuff, but my parents didn't really buy me shit. If I wanted a, 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 any kind of music or anything like that, they didn't give a shit. They weren't buying me that shit. So I felt like if I wanted to listen to music, I had to steal it. Back then, we couldn't just get on the internet. We didn't even really have the internet and you know, when I was 11, 12. The internet was just kind of coming around. It wasn't until I was like in high school before the internet started having these websites like Napster and these or programs like Napster and you know, LimeWire, BearShare, shit like this, all these old P2P platforms where you can share music and download it for free. <clears throat> so I would go into fucking Fry's Electronics as a fucking 11, 12-year-old kid, and I would run up out this bitch with hundreds of dollars worth of CDs and albums. And my grandma, there was times that I'd get in trouble in school, and she found out about the music I was listening to, and she'd come in the fucking room, break every single one of my rap CDs, and you're not going to listen to this fucking jungle music and all this shit. And it's just crazy to me because, yeah, I get it. Rap doesn't have the greatest message for a younger child, but at the same time, you let all your other kids listen to Metallica, ACDC, fucking all these drugged out hair metal fucking bands that are all talking about drug use, they're all loaded on fucking cocaine and all this shit, and you're perfectly fine with that, but you're not fine with me listening to rap music? Gee, I wonder why, Grandma, what's the only difference? Oh, rappers are black, that's why, I get it. But yeah, she'd fucking break all my goddamn CDs. And it got to the point where she'd break my CDs, I'd go right back to Fry's Electronics, steal them again. I remember there were certain albums, like the, I had the Notorious B.I.G. fucking Ready to Die album. I loved that album so much. My grandma broke that same album probably three, four, five times. 
I'm sorry, Biggie, if you can hear this in heaven, wherever you're at, brother. It wasn't like I was trying to take from your pockets, bro. I just loved your music so much, and I was able to relate to you so much that, yeah, I stole your goddamn album several times. Not proud of it. Eventually, I did get caught. I was on a run going up to Fry's Electronics where I was stealing CDs, video games. Like, back then, we had N64s and the Nintendo 64 out. And uh, I'll tell you about how I was caught eventually. I'm not going to get into it right now. But I, I was stealing thousands of dollars. I think by the time they finally caught me, they said I had stole like well over $10,000 of merchandise. I was slick about it. They had cameras up in there, but I was a little ninja. I lightweight got off to this shit for a while. But fortunately, kind of unfortunately, but at the same time, fortunately, I did get caught eventually. It all caught up to me and I got in fucking major trouble. First time I ever spent some time in Juvenile Hall was from this shit. <clears throat> but anyways, we'll get into that in another episode. But yeah, I, I just wanted you guys to kind of, in these first few episodes, I know I haven't had too much humor in these first three episodes. It's been a lot of drama. And I know I got the podcast labeled as a comedy podcast. You're probably sitting there like, there's nothing funny about any of this. This shit's terrible. This should be listed under fucking tragedies. <laughs> But I promise, we're going to start swinging around the corner and you guys are going to start hearing some funnier stories where I can get into my little voices and share with you all these funny-ass things. The fun stuff. The times I got into trouble over hilarious shit. You know what I mean? I'm going to get into more of that. But I just wanted to get a lot of this anger, a lot of this stress and shit off my shoulders and kind of get you guys to understand why I am the way I am. And, uh, yeah, I felt like today's episode... Gives you guys a little bit to digest, a lot to digest as far as what makes me tick and why I am the way I am. And for those of you that don't know me, obviously you don't see the kind of shit that I suffer from. You don't see the bridges I've burned over the years. You don't see the, the jobs I've left prematurely, these jobs I've been fired from, how I fucking can screw up a 10-year friendship with one of my closest friends just by fucking going off on his girlfriend for fucking saying some shit online to me that got me all worked up. I've lost a lot of good people in my life. And honestly, if I didn't go through all this stress and torture when I was younger, I'd be in a much better position right now. If I was more of a people person, if I trusted people and their intentions and I didn't feel like everyone was out to get me, I probably would have made it as an artist, honestly. My music is good enough to have made it. More than good enough to have made it. I could have had billboard fucking hits. Billboard fucking hits. I could show you guys 10 to 15 songs right now that if you're into, the, if you're into any kind of hip-hop, you're going to be like, Jesus Christ, this guy is talented. And I had this talent dating all the way back to my early 20s. But here I am now 40. No one gives a fuck about a 40-year-old white guy trying to rap about some hard times. No one believes it. Just because I'm white, just because I got green eyes, just because I got blonde hair, people look at me like, oh, you're fucking privileged, you're a fucking square. Like, bro, I'm telling you, I've been through so much shit. I'm from the hood. I'm just as hood as any of you guys out there. And I think it's funny how... So many people hate on, you know, we hate on these black children that grow up in these really shitty fucking neighborhoods. And by we, I mean kind of the white, white culture as a whole. 
There's a lot of times I've heard family members, I've heard other people that are like, they need to just fucking get their shit together. What do they think we owe them? You know, they could, they could fucking, it's their fault for joining gangs. It's their fault for selling drugs and all this. Like, dude, no, man. These poor young black kids, just like me, they didn't have proper role models. Just like me, they're growing up with fucking hardships. They're seeing their fucking parents on drugs. That's even if they get to see their parents. Growing up with their grandma, just like I did. Seeing a bunch of hood shit. Being fucking thrown into the fucking dragon's mouth at an early age and just seeing chaos, pain, chaos, pain. Not getting the love, not getting treated properly. And eventually they get so fucking angry, so fucking cold, next thing you know the streets come knocking. And they got gangs trying to get them involved with their shit. And they just want a little bit of love. Next thing you know, these kids are manipulated into joining gangs and all this shit. And the next thing you know, you got black-on-black -black crime. Just kids killing one another. Over what? Something as petty as fucking colors? Blue, red? You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. And I honestly feel like I could relate more to more to a goddamn criminal in the street that's selling drugs that's gangbanging than I can with my own... You know, than, than to someone that's college-educated. And it's just because of my background. I've been through a lot of fucking shit, you guys. And I'm just starting to scratch the surface. But I promise you in the upcoming episodes, some of this shit's going to get a lot more funny. I, I haven't really had too much, you know, comedy dabbled in these first three episodes. Again, it's just I wanted to get a lot of this hectic shit out the way first. <sighs> makes me feel better. But uh, I wanted to let you guys know I haven't mentioned this in the first couple episodes. I would love any help with donations. If you guys enjoy my podcast, doesn't have to be now, doesn't have to be next month. Hell, you could wait for a year. I'll be dropping these every week. I'm planning on doing again at least one episode a week, sometimes two, sometimes even three. If I don't got much shit going on that week, I'm dropping three episodes, no problem. Just to keep you guys flooded with more content. They will always be about an hour long. This one's just now running over an hour and ten minutes. But that's roughly about the time they're going to be. But if you guys want to donate anything, I don't care if it's a dollar. I have a cash app. I would greatly appreciate any help I can get. I am struggling, and I want to do this full time. I would, love, I would absolutely love to do this full time. Um, Cash App is Super Honky Podcast. Super? If you don't know how to spell that, well, I guess you're fucked. Honky, H-O-N-K-Y, and then podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Super Honky Podcast at gmail.com. If you guys have the Cash App, you want to send a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, again, I don't care what it is. And for those of you that can't, don't worry about it. I'm just saying, I know a lot of people out there take donations for their podcasts and for their shows and to get help with their music, and I don't think I should look at it any differently for myself, especially since it's going to be a long time until I rack up the following to maybe get my first sponsor, you know what I mean? <sighs> also, if you want to email in any questions, eventually I'd like to get around to uh, questions and, and reading emails that fans send in, fans of the podcast send in. I would love to communicate with you guys. I would like to get to know my audience. That'll help me better understand what I should be talking about, maybe what I should avoid. Even though I'm telling you right now, I'm an open book. I'm going to just say whatever the fuck I feel like saying. There's no more holding back. 
I am balls through the wall, super honky in the motherfucking house. But if you'd like to send in an email, leave a comment, ask a question, maybe comment on something to do with the episode, feel free to drop an email to me. Again, the same exact email. Same exact... Sorry, when I say same exact email, I meant superhonkypodcast at gmail.com. The Cash App is just super honky podcast but my email where you can question anything about the podcast or say anything drop a line will be super honky podcast at gmail.com spelled the exact same way super honky podcast at gmail.com with that said i'm gonna go ahead and hop off this podcast my lady just got home from work i'm gonna go ahead and uh see what she's up to but i love you guys so much thank you for listening you guys take care and i'll see you next time